0: Hey gang it's mark from the no wristbands crew here to talk to you about our newest episode featuring jason Narducey, uh the chicago music lifer having grown up in quite a musically inclined neighborhood in evanston narduce founded the seminal punk band verboten you just might know them as the band that inspired dave Grohl to pursue a career in music jason then went on to found the rock band verbo and became a sought-after guitarist and bassist playing with everyone from liz fair to bob mold and guided by voices He still somehow found time amongst all these activities to create his own musical project called Split Single, releasing three albums over the past decade. Most recently, Jason has gone on tour with emo legend Sunny Day Real Estate and is about to embark on a short tour with Michael Shannon covering R.E.M.'s first album, Murmur, which received rave reviews on their show this past summer at the Metro. This sounds like a lot, but Jason is incredibly grounded and humble. Glad we got the chance to connect with him and get to know him a little bit better and hear about his fascinating story. If you're local to Chicago or you want to come visit, please come check out his solo show at Simons in Andersonville on February 25th with the No Wristbands crew. As always, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our Facebook page at No Wristbands. We drink for free. Thanks, everybody. Take care. All right, everybody, our No Wristbands friends. It is your host Mark Joiner with always Papa Novak, and we're here today with Chicago music lifer Jason Narducci. Jason, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thanks. Thanks so much for asking me to join you guys.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we're we're thrilled to have you. Uh, yes, very excited. It's it's not every day you get to talk to somebody who has as varied a background and been, had their hands in a lot of different. Uh, Pots, that's a weird expression. Has there been involved <laughs> get your a hand, lot of different things? Get your hand here. out of the
1: pot. <laughs> I am so sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, so you grew uh, up in Evans, I know what you
1: mean. Uh, I mean, sort of. I, I was born in um, in Wisconsin in, in a city called Manitowoc, which mm-hmm. is uh, I, I used to mention that name and people are like, What is that? And then <laughs> like 10 years ago, that making a murderer, oh, came yeah. Out. And uh, a lot of people know what math Watch is now. <laughs> but um, that was just for the first couple years of my life. And uh, then my parents moved to Evanston. So that would be 73. And then just a, a year later, they got divorced and then kind of went all over Chicago. I, I've lived on the south side. I've lived in Rogers Park. Um, but by the time I was 10, um, both both. Both parents were in Evanston.
0: Okay. Uh, And how do we like growing up in Evanston? It's it's kind of like... We have somebody who does this podcast with us that says it's the most recent annexed neighborhood of Chicago to make himself (laughs) feel better about living there.
1: It's It's the most what?
0: Recently annexed neighborhood in Chicago. What does that mean? He just doesn't want to say he he, lives in the suburbs. Exactly. He (laughs) wishes
1: he lived in Chicago. I see. I mean, Evanston is a city... Um and it's the first north city of Chicago. Um it's very diverse. Um uh yeah, I mean it's it's got a you know, it's also it was also part of the temperance movement. <laughs> it was <laughs> dry for a while. I remember growing up here, I, I you know, there was this one pizza place called the spot on Noise Street, and it was the only okay. place that um people could get beer um wow so it has a weird it's an odd place uh
0: so growing up in evanston so close to chicago what are some of your earliest chicago music memories
1: i um i had this unusual situation where my stepdad started a a bluegrass band called special consensus Um, and he was in that band until from 74 to 78 and um, but they still play. They're still wow. a band. Greg Cahill is the, is still the leader of the band. They play at Old Town School. They tour. They tour around the world. Actually, wow. Oh, um, so I, I have a very specific memory of being probably six or seven years old and going to Fitzgerald's, which looks exactly the same still, <laughs> um, and seeing my stepdad perform um, the Special Consensus. And then I also have a memory of seeing Special Consensus. At a venue called Biddy Mulligan's, which is on Sheridan, used to be on Sheridan Road. Mm-hmm. It was a weird yep. club. They would have, they would have like Fog Hat and, <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. jam bands and like Nickel Pitcher Tuesdays. It was a very, yeah. you know, 70s and 80s vibe. um And I had a band when I was like 20, 21 that played there in the early 90s, but they didn't. Biddy Mulligans didn't make it much past. I think they closed in like '94 or something. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Uh, Special Consensus played at Biddy Mulligans, and my mom sang with them, so I got to see my stepdad and my mom perform together at Biddy Mulligans. Wow! And I actually met—I actually met my wife at Biddy Mulligans when we. When Holy when She was nineteen.
0: Dang! Yeah. All right. It's amazing. Yeah, that's, oh. that's the spot.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: totally. Uh. Yep. So when do you? you see mom up on stage at a young age and you see your stepdad up there. When are you like, yeah, I want to start learning to play music.
1: I don't remember the specific time, but they had a mandolin around the house, around the apartment, I should say, on the south side, 53rd and And, um, And that's the first instrument that I started, you know, that they would show me chords. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a hard time pressing down on those strings probably because it wasn't a very good mandolin but i don't know if you've ever played (laughs) a mandolin it's a little tight you know it's a little sure yes and i was a little little guy so that was the first instrument that i started kind of messing around with but then my dad took me to see trick in february of 81 and um and my mom and my stepdad got me an electric guitar right around there and those two things and then and my dad also took me to see The Kids Are All Right, the Who movie, in the theater when it mm-hmm. came out. So that would have been simple. Oh, nice. Those three things felt like those were the three moments where it was like, yeah, sure. this is this is what makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the bug.
0: <laughs> and that's when you started playing um, Maggie Mae on Mandolin, just nonstop. Maggie Maggie Mae. That's just like my go-to thought um, song when I think about mandolin. My dad said he went out and bought a mandolin after hearing that song just so he could. play.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I bet a lot of people bought mandolins after losing my religion too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So you grew up in a very musical household and you got to see some really great bands along the way. Uh, when do we, how old are you when you form your first band? Is this, is this first band you were talking about, is that verboten?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, in Evanston, I lived on Michigan Avenue in this coach house. So it was like, you know, a tiny tiny two bedroom apartment that my dad and I lived in behind very nice condos. So we were in a nice (laughs) neighborhood, but like our, our, you know, we lived above
0: you were nice adjacent cars, what you're saying.
1: Yes. And I went to the school across the street, which is Lincoln school. To play basketball and and met a kid named Chris Keen, and he loved basketball. We had a good time playing together, and then we just started talking about music. And I was like, you know, I've got a I've got a guitar. I just got this guitar, and he's like, my brother has an electric guitar. So we went over to their apartment, which was just two doors down from mine, and mm-hmm. he showed me his brother Rick's guitar. I'll never forget that red hollow body guitar. And uh, but Chris didn't have an instrument <clears throat> yet. And he said, My my upstairs neighbor, Zach, has a snare drum. He's learned how to play drums. And so, over the course of a few months, me and Chris and Zach worked worked on starting a band. And I, I mean, I remember Zach didn't even have drums. So, he would have a snare drum, and then we just use cardboard for toms. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: We'd, lit- no, we'd literally play like that. You'd just be hitting. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't have the resources. And, um, but then we, we, we all kind of like got excited about it. And Chris got a bass. He got a white PV bass. Mm-hmm. And um, Zach got a, a full drum kit. And we just started playing. And then I, I knew uh, this girl, Tracy, who was at my school. And we invited her to be our singer. And yeah, we were together for like a year and a half. It was really quick. But we mm-hmm. we worked we hard at it. And um, I'm very thankful that we're all really, really close still. Well, that's awesome,
0: yeah. That's it, that like for whatever reason, just get, I must be like the the house and just being like, well, you live by me. Let's see what we can do. Kind of reminds me of the replacements for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, minus the self sabotage and the drugs. <laughs> and the,
0: uh... You're like eight thousand beers although, free of them. Although yeah.
1: Tommy Tommy was pretty young when when he was yeah, in replacements. Sure, Bob I feel told like he's he... still really young. Bob told me that he the first brought the replacements to chicago i think it was at Hutz, which became avalon um and he's talking he's like we brought them down for their first chicago show and there was a pause and he goes i think Tommy was 15 <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah he was really
0: that's hilarious are you surprised that you're still talking about verboten After all these years, when they didn't have the longest shelf life,
1: I I mean, I'm surprised because, from one standpoint, because um, you know, I I I got real serious about music in college, and then got a small record deal in, in a you know indie label in Chicago, and made the Jason and Allison record in '94. Um, and during that whole tour and press campaign and everything, it just never came up, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't bring it up. And then I got signed to Epic Records and under the name Verbo. And, um, you know, we did two records and it didn't, I think I did one guitar player magazine where they asked about that. And I said, yeah, I think there is some kind of Dave Grohl connection, but I'm not in touch with Tracy. I wasn't in in touch with Tracy at the time, so I couldn't verify Mm -hmm. any of it. And then somewhere around 2000, I want to say 2010, I reconnected with Dave through mutual friends. And that's when it was like, we have a history together, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) then we kind of like figured out some stuff. And then he was so sweet to, you know, put us in the the Sonic Highways HBO show and, um, Mm -hmm. You know he 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 wrote this book storyteller and there's an entire chapter about us I and mean, he's mm-hmm. he's just so sweet to to do that and um so now I, I can't escape it and that's okay I'm not trying <laughs> to escape it. Um you know what it's just a good story. It's it's just a right. good, it's just like how often does that happen? We're like right. Or people find each other, and this is before the the age of School of Rock, and which I love. I love that there's now platforms and ways mm-hmm. for kids to find, you know, uh, people in their community and work together. We didn't have any of that, and that doesn't make it better. It's just different and maybe more unusual. Mm-hmm. And and then the fact that Chris and Zach and Tracy were just so supportive of me, and and we all wanted to do you know, this type of music that wasn't really popular with the kids at school, you know? Right. <laughs> so right. I'm real proud of that. I don't know how, I, I, I don't think all of our songs were punk rock, but we were trying and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Italy, least a little bit new wave, a little bit punk rock. And so, yeah, I mean, Michael Shannon and I were just on Seth Meyers and the, the segment producer asked me about, he's like, I don't know if you're tired of talking about verboten, but it's a great story. Do you mind talking? <laughs> I was like, no, no I do I love talking Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah,
0: so it all started because it
1: just keeps coming
2: up. Did right? Did it's through basketball? So true. Did Chris, Zach, or Tracy end up doing anything in music beyond that?
1: Zach did. Zach. um, He was always the most talented musician in the band, um, and he was just obsessed. He was the type of kid that would just run home after school to practice. so he had the drive and he had the talent it was all there so he he went to that um i'm going to forget the name of it but it's a chicago performing arts high school um hmm. i don't oh. remember the name of it but um I wanted to say francis he, parker but i don't think that's right no yeah it's not francis parker it's it's specifically for the arts mm-hmm. but he he started to go there in high school, which was unusual. You know, most of us just went to, like, public school. And um, then he got a, f- a scholarship to go to University of Miami, which is one of the top music schools. And so he went down there, and he started getting mm-hmm. gigs. And then, I don't think he finished school, but then he immediately, when he got back to Chicago, started getting gigs. Like, he played with, are you familiar with My Bloody Valentine? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. So, Uh, Kevin Shields brother, Jimmy had this band called Lotus crown that was signed to Warner brothers and Zach um, made a record with them and toured with them. They were touring with Fleming lips and dinosaur junior. And yeah. So Zach is, I mean, he's, he's, he was an incredible drummer. So um, he, he definitely had a lot of work in the nineties.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like everyone had a lot of work in the Chicago music scene in the nineties. What you were, you know, right there in the thick of it. What I mean, I don't know if you've read uh Bruce Adams' book, uh as I'm with Cranky, is that what it's called?
1: I'm with stupid.
0: stupid. I'm with Stupid, yes, about Cranky Records. But it seems yeah. like uh it was just an amazing time to be a musician in Chicago. Did were you aware of that at the time where you're like, wow, this is crazy, or you're like, this is just like this is what it is. I don't know any better.
1: I mean, when you're in your twenties, you're not you're not really comparing it to anything, um, mm-hmm. but um, one thing I liked—I actually liked this about Chicago—is that tons of talented people, um, but we weren't necessarily all hanging out. Like I remember when Disturbed came out, people would ask me about Disturbed. I'm like, never met them, have no idea who they <laughs> <we> are. <laughs> you know, and, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that. There's so many Chicago bands that it's not like mm-hmm. just. Everybody lives in within a five block radius or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I feel fortunate that you know the bands that I was in were able to get shows and and um, do some touring and stuff. But that was you know that was the last kind of the last decade of records selling mm-hmm. in a way yeah, that could right. support the whole industry right uh, which came which came with awful things but, but there's some of it i miss mm-hmm. like it, um th- th- nowadays uh you know it's just different challenges i'm not one of those people that was like it was better then it wasn't it was just <laughs> mm-hmm. different it was yeah. just different um but uh yeah so well you, you i have not i've not of- read that book though sorry
2: you, you've kind of crafted a, a different musician's life than maybe the typical, you know, person in a band um, uh, where, you know, you play with a lot of different people, um, you know, you work on people's records, whatever. Um, you know, I think I read something about it maybe started when you did something with Liz Fair um, But, you know, how, how did you kind of yeah. happen into what you're doing?
1: Well, i think it was you know we did two records on epic and then that ended in like oh one or oh two it was clear they weren't going to pick up the option we just didn't sell Mm -hmm. records Mm -hmm. and uh but i still you know i'm I'm always eager to play and do things and then i got that call to just do a week with liz and i was like well that's that's interesting to just kind of sit in the back and play bass i don't (laughs) don't mind that do some backing Mm -hmm. vocals Right. And Then two years later, I got you know like the the email that changes your life when Bob Mold reached out and he's he asked me about being in his band and touring America and and Europe and UK and mm-hmm. that was in 2005. And to bring it back to basketball, actually, yeah. I utilized. <laughs> I utilized um, when I was in when I was in high school. I played at Evanston Township for the first two years, and then. My junior year, I was trying to, or maybe it was senior year, I was trying to come back. Like I didn't try out junior year. I was just burnt out. And They, they take sports so seriously over there. It's all in mm-hmm. There's There's no sure. break. And I was like, but I oh, I missed it. So I wanted to try to make a comeback. And I, not a comeback, but, you know, try to make the team. And um, I went to Doug Collins basketball camp, which was out uh-huh. in the Burbs. And yeah. Doug was yes. the coach of the Bulls at the time and he's like i've got a special surprise for you guys michael jordan is going to come in this is in 87 oh boy so michael walks in and he's he's wearing a um you know one of those like track suits i remember it was red red top red red mm-hmm. top, pants and he was wearing a walkman <laughs> which is such of the time <laughs> uh, and i don't think i don't think the headphones came off the whole time but he mm-hmm. talked to us about uh, he talked to us about a number of things one thing he said was I see a lot of people walk into the gym and they throw up a couple shots and jog over and get the ball. And they do this for hours. And he's like, you're practicing the wrong thing. This is, you never do that in the game. Don't ever do that. Every time you walk into the gym, play at game speed. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing he said is I see people shoot a hundred free throws in a row. And he goes, again, you never do that a game. Mm-hmm. Shoot Two free throws, run a lap around the, the court, shoot two free throws, run a lap around the court. And, I don't know why I thought about that, but I was like, if I'm gonna join the if I'm gonna be on stage with Bob Mold, who's so intense and so loud, and mm-hmm. such, it's like a it's like hanging on to a, a, a jet, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> um I set up in my garage. Thankfully, my wife and my neighbors were okay with this, but I set up in my garage basically a sound stage where I had a PA facing me and I had amps behind me. And a microphone and a microphone stand in front of me and treated every rehearsal like a show at full volume. Wow. And would just crank Husker Du and burn those songs, crank Bob Moorster, yeah. crank Sugar. And I came into that first practice. Brendan Canty from Fugazi was a drummer at the time. And he was like, damn. <laughs> damn, <laughs> dude, you're ready. Yeah. I mean, I worked the whole summer. You know, I worked for yeah. months yeah. and just treated it like this is – I'm going to take this very seriously. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that was, that was when I was kind of like, and then this is, this is, I'm almost embarrassed by how fortunate this was, but the very last show of that Bob Mould tour in 2005, Tommy Keene was there and Tommy said, Tommy came up to me and he said, Hey, I'm going to be playing in Bob Pollard's band. He just broke up. Got it by voices. Um, we need a bassist. Do you like Got It by Voices? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I fucking love Got It by Voices. <laughs> and uh, I just which couldn't one really, of their
0: eighty-five albums do I like? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, uh, two months later I'm in Dayton, Ohio rehearsing with John Worcester and Dave Phillips and Tommy Kane. and we, you know, played played for a year with with the Pollard stuff, which was Wow the mm-hmm. solo stuff but a lot a lot of got be voices too so I really i i just I just got so the timing was just so fortunate and um was and was that the how i
2: was that the start of your relationship with John Worster
1: uh I met John on the two thousand five Bob mold tour we played at the cat's cradle and Brendan introduced me to him after the show and i okay. of course I recognized him from super chunk videos um and then when Tommy reached out i did i did then reach out to Brendan and say hey do you would you feel comfortable asking john if he would put in a good word for me too because mm-hmm. uh, i really wanted i really wanted to play with Bob Pollard yeah and, uh, and he did so it's very very sweet of him and yeah that that obviously started i mean i've been in so many bands with john <laughs> right yeah. yeah
2: uh
0: may i ask you for like maybe not your best but a top bob pollard story
1: sure man where to go with this (laughs) Um, (laughs) i really like bob pollard let's start with that um okay he he's a true front person you know like
0: yeah he's going when
1: you're on yeah when you're on stage I mean, he's just such a natural, you know, the moves, the look, the banter, the kicks. It's like it's captivating. And he's still doing it. He's like, is he 64? 65? I mean, he he looks great. He sounds mm-hmm. great. My wife and I went and saw them last summer at um in Chicago at the Square Roots Festival. They did a 75 minute oh, yeah, set. Yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, this is they're still on the fire. I love this so much. Um, let me think. Well, there's one story that I've told a few times, but it's, it is, it is so good that I will tell. <laughs> I will tell <laughs> it to you. Uh, so Bob's manager, Bob Pollard's manager reached out to me when it was clear that I, I was, I was fortunate to get the job. And he said, Hey, here's the, here's the rider that we provide to venues so that they know what to, to bring us backstage. Do you want to add anything to it? So I looked at it, and it's um, at the time it was two bottles of Cuervo and five say, I... five cases of Miller Lite. <laughs> I'm <was> gonna say <laughs> I'm not when even I saw caring. him,
0: and he drank a fifth in like an hour at Pitchfork. Yeah, when I saw him, so
1: yeah, yeah, um, and then like three cheese pizzas. It, it was real basic, <laughs> <laughs> and this is back in 2006. 2000s well the emails would have been in 2005 but you know the tour was starting in 2006 january Mm. and this is before kind of the craft beer you know wave which i'm i i totally embrace and love but um (laughs) i I just thought well i'm going to be in some cities where i'm going to run into some friends maybe like i don't know like a six-pack of heineken just to take it up (laughs) a couple notches for miller (laughs) um which is funny to say now because i think of heineken as such like a a light beer but um yeah the manager wrote back and he said okay i'll do that but uh, you know just so you know bob might make fun of you for that <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was so weird i just didn't i had seen got it by voices but i didn't quite understand what he meant and i just kind of like kind of ignored it i didn't i didn't know what to ta- how to take that Mm-hmm. and then a month and then a month later he emailed again and he's like hey man I, I for, forgive me I forgot what you said what you wanted for the writer but just send me what you want on the writer and we'll try to get it on there and I was like oh yeah no problem you know if, if a six pack of Heineken isn't any trouble that would be great I mean I didn't ask for any like anything else you know food yeah yeah. yeah that's anything. easy to get yeah and he yeah and he wrote back He was, now he was like kind of defiant he was like oh okay well, listen, um, just so you know, Bob might make fun of you for this from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and that something to me was kind of like, this is either going to go really poorly <laughs> or or he's fucking with me or something mm-hmm. like this just feels like this is is this like, am I joining it? Like, am I being hazed? <laughs> you know, like, right. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt so weird. And I I. I stuck with it. I, and I might have even said 12 pack of Heineken after that. <laughs> you know, like, I upped the ante. Yeah. Right? Um, well, you
0: got to. You got to shoot your shot to bring it back yeah. to basketball.
1: And <laughs> there you go. Or Hamilton. And um, mm-hmm. isn't that one of the songs? Shoot my shot. Yes. I yeah. So. Um, so so then I uh, showed, showed up in Dayton um, for the first rehearsal. And we all stayed at Bob's house. So I got there first and Bob had, was in, in, in his, uh, he called it the Florida room. It's this room in the back of his Dayton house. That's like a screened in porch. And uh, he was, there with some buddies drinking and it was like 7 PM or something. And it was, it was exciting to meet him. And he was super excited. And he was telling me about the set. He's he even like singing through something. Nah, 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 nah. He's like singing. <laughs> it was so funny. And then slowly, the other guys started to show up. John Worcester showed up. Tommy Keene showed up. Dave Phillips showed up. Dave and Tommy were coming from L.A., so, you know, date and time, they're three hours earlier. So, by the time, I mean, I think Pollard crashed out at like 10. Like, he starts early and goes to bed early, or he did at the time. So, it's like 10 o'clock, but it's 7 o'clock for Dave Phillips. And so, Dave and I are hanging out. And we're reconnecting because he used to play with Frank Black, and I'm, I, I was fortunate to tour with Frank Black in the '90s, so we we know each other and a lot of mutual friends. And um, and then at one point, Dave goes, "Hey, have you seen Bob Pollard's kitchen?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Come mm-hmm. with me." And he op- he opens up the fridge, and the top shelf was all Miller Lite, you know, like fifteen Miller Lights. <laughs> Second shelf, Miller Lights, like fifteen Miller Lights. <laughs> third shelf heineken and i go what is i go what is that and dave goes he got that for you oh what a nice guy i was like this is gonna go well (laughs) 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 and it did and then fast forward fast forward um months maybe eight months later we had done a ton of shows and we got asked to open up these Midwest Pearl Jam shows, these big arena shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same writer, same everything, but, but Bob Pollard brought along, like, I don't know how many of his high school friends, but there was a lot <laughs> of friends, which was hilarious because none of the Pearl Jam guys had any friends. There was no squad with them, but, but Pollard had, like, 15 friends. It was so funny to see. Mm-hmm. And they just barreled through that Miller Lite. And I remember I'm, I'm standing there next to Eddie Vedder and Pollard's like, I got, I got to get another beer. And he walks over and he, he keeps on opening these coolers and there's nothing in it. And finally, <laughs> finally he opens up this cooler and he's like, Oh fuck. He pulls out a Heineken. <laughs> And I grab, this is before phone, you know, the smartphone, so I grab my digital camera. I'm running over to the table, and he sees me running to get my camera. <laughs> and, I, and I run at Pollard, and I take a picture of him holding a Heineken. And he holds the Heineken up and with the other hand flips me off, <laughs> uh, which, of course, I sent to him later. And then he put that on one of his albums and gave me photo credits. Oh, that's, awesome. that's so
0: great. Yeah. yeah.
1: Totally awesome, yeah.
0: So you were just talking yep. Evanston stuff with Eddie Vedder there, I assume.
1: We did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's that connection. Yep. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, uh, he lived he lived a block away from he lived on the eight hundred block of Michigan and us verboten guys were on the seven hundred block of Michigan. Wow. But I, I think Eddie left Evanston before before we met each other because Eddie's mm-hmm. probably four years older than me. And I think he left mm-hmm. when he was like seven or eight. So
0: dang. The very talented little area right there. Yeah.
1: St. Francis Hospital. A lot of people born there.
0: <laughs> uh so how do you choose your projects? I'm sure you get asked to do a ton of stuff. How how do you decide like what you're going to do? What's gonna you're like gonna be like, you know what? It's time to do some split single stuff. You no, know, I want to go on tour with these people. Like, how do you decide all that? It's gotta be Well, lot. I don't.
1: I don't decide. And that's that's okay. that's the that's a disadvantage of being um whatever you want to call it like a band person i think Mm -hmm. other musicians that i've met around uh, you know around this world we call each other band people because we're Mm -hmm. we're in a band but we're also not you know we're like supporting the main person (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know um and we have no control over that and it's tricky you know it's like uh Superchunk just did shows in October and I was out on tour opening up for Bob Mold. So they got a sub for me and they went to Europe. And they had, Betsy is is um the person who's been playing bass with them. She's awesome. It's it's great. And I, I'm completely supportive because it just keeps the Super Chunk, you know, uh creative forces yeah. happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but it does happen where there's like there's a clash of schedules and it doesn't always work out, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we are super chunk. We are going to Japan in March, so things are you know there's it's busy, but um, I, I, I'm not in control of that. And that's one of the reasons why I started split single because in 2012 I was like getting the itch to write again. And I I figured, well, you know, for the last 10 years I've been playing with all these great songwriters. I hope I learned something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I hope I got better somehow, but I hope some osmosis occurred. And um, that's been a great project for me because it's, it's taught me so much about kind of like finding myself and what I want to write about. And, and then, you know, I've been so fortunate to collaborate with, Super talented people on those records, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. kind of reach out and right. see who's interested and who's available. And, um, but no, I'm not in charge. I mean, there's there's sunny day real estate shows coming up that um, I'm, s- I'm very very excited to do with them. They haven't been announced, mm-hmm. so I can't talk about what they are. But <laughs> um, but I had to move a month's worth of touring of my own stuff to make it happen. And so there's a lot of it. It it, it demands communication let's put that mm-hmm. let's put it that way yeah and um you just try to make everything work um so uh and then it can be bleak i mean i think in 2007 i played like two shows or something like you know it's like had two years of non-stop and then it came to a halt so that's another reason why i started split single to kind of do my own thing sure
0: what uh what do you think like or who of the musicians you were playing with? Who do you think has been the most influential on you with split single? Sounds like you're taking a little bit of things from everybody. What we can throw stuff out? What do you take from Bob
1: Mould? Well, um, Bob, um, I what I don't know what you guys think about this, but I think that you can like the Who changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. But I, but I can't sound like the Who. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah, um, and and. So there are musicians that I listen to that I just either I can't do it or I've tried and it doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be this little thing, this this pocket, where Split Single ends up having influence with, obviously, Bob Mould. I mean, we're, wherever Townsend left off, Bob Mould took over for me. When Workbook came out, yeah. it, it changed everything for me. I mean, I immediately started playing with a cellist. <laughs> you know, it was like... Mm-hmm. You know,, um, and so there's that, and then there's always the cheap trick thread. There's always the Beatles thread. and then um, I try to infuse you know punk rock here and there and I try to infuse mm-hmm. acoustic folk stuff and in um, you know, it, people tend to throw me into the power pop genre and I, I don't mind that so much. I think split single is overall a little bit heavier than that, but I don't I don't mind yeah. that. Um, yeah power pop's kind of having a moment uh, right now. It, but see I'm I'm terrible at that. I mean in 1994 I released a record with an acoustic guitar and cello. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then in 97 hasn't been when your guitars best Got it. No. I mean I, I also don't try, you know. Like I'm sure. in 97 when guitars were going out, that's when I made a guitar record produced by Bob Mould. You know, it's like <laughs> it's it's not worth chasing because it, you just have to follow what feels right and like honestly it's like where the best songs are. Um mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do with split single, and I've learned a lot, not only from the people I've been fortunate to play with, but just kind of listening to my older stuff and going, "Man, I really should have considered lyrical rewrites." <laughs> you know, like I wish somebody had told me that, like this is good, you can do better. You know, mm-hmm. um, but when you're young and you just kind of just kind of go for it, and I um, I like to think that I've gotten better.
0: Yeah, well, rewrites and slowing stuff down at that point just costs money, right? And you're younger, you're just like, how do I get this out as fast as possible, I'd imagine?
1: No, I, no, it was more about like, um, I mean, I was probably wearing too many hats and tr- taking too much on. But, you know, that's just in the studio. Like, you can go, go in the other room for an hour and work on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, uh-huh. sure. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, those think are the rich- that... You-
2: I think I read something um, like when Amplificado came out, uh, like you, when you were doing that album, you know, you were like thinking about touring and, you know, needed some more higher energy up-tempo songs and everything when, you know, when you were doing that. So, you know, are are, are you constantly evolving what you're doing with split single?
1: Well, that record, I can tell, I can tell you the exact moment where that record was born. We got booked to play an outdoor festival here um, with uh, uh, John Langford and, and then the split single and then got it by voices. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was the Waco brothers, Waco brothers who were like, it's like, it's like cowboy punk, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's aggressive and like powerful and then got it by voices. And I was like, I started to look at the songs I had. I was like, I don't have enough rippers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so (laughs) that was like the next record I'm making, it's going to be like at least eight just blazing Mm -hmm. songs. And so I think that was a good, I think it sounds great. I mean, yeah, Mike, Mike Mike Mills and, and, and John Worcester. I mean, what a, what a gift to spend time with those guys and work on songs with those guys. And, uh, so I'm really proud of that record. I think it was tough to promote in 2021 for obvious reasons. right? Um, but, you know, when I play those songs now, people love them. So hopefully it's the long, <laughs> the long promotion.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, your, 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 your show at uh, Old Town opening up for uh, Bob Mould was awesome. I mean, it was a great set.
1: Oh, are you guys there?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, awesome. That, that was, that was fun. Um my wife and I had a funny conversation after that, because I don't know if you remember, but um, I told the Lynn Bramer story and um, how, you know, Lynn played one of my songs right after the Cubs won. And he was so mm-hmm. nice about that. And then I said, anyways, this song is called untry love. And somebody like in like row four, someone was like, yeah, let's see. Let's see if it's, it's if it's that good. I don't remember what they said. I don't remember <laughs> the exact wording, but I was yeah. like, I, t- I turned to them and I was like, you haven't heard this song yet. And I, forcefully played that song (laughs) and my wife afterwards was like do i need to taunt you before every show because that was great when you did that (laughs) she's like i I think i need to get you pissed before every show um that that was a fun night that was really you know bob and i had played that room before and uh it i remember it being a little bit tough like it's such a there's so many soft surfaces in that room that it's kind of yeah. dead sonically. But mm-hmm. the sound guy that they have now just made it so alive. I thought it felt, I thought it was really fun.
2: I, yeah, I, I love I love the old town. I love going to I mean it's it's such an intimate venue there. Um, but I feel like sometimes some performers go in there and they're too um too deferential to the to the place. Like, you know, they don't bring as much energy as they do elsewhere. But uh, you know, you, you you and Bob did a great job there. Not Bob. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, you can't slow Bob down.
2: No. It is a
0: great space especially when yeah. the band wants to bring it. i saw television there one time and they were they blew me away oh really it, yeah yeah tom verlaine was at old town yeah it was it was probably I guess like,
1: that makes sense x has played there yeah x has played there. Uh-huh. it makes sense it.
0: yeah i was like i don't know if this this is necessarily right but i'm gonna go because i just really want to see television and it they yeah for sure uh so let's talk about um, your most recent collaboration working with Michael Shannon and yeah. uh, now playing murmur live and everything like that. Have you been surprised by the response of everybody there that night and subsequently everything that's happened since then? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this for 10 years where we pick a record and play it. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. Yeah, nothing like this. Um, It it is clearly, there is a vacuum out there where people want to celebrate this music. And um, I mean, even before we played the Metro show, I was getting emails from clubs around the country. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then once, and I just can't believe how, like once, once, I, you know, I told Mike, I was like, we're getting offers. Do you want to try to do like two weeks? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with uh, with a booking agent and we got – the East Coast run was like exactly the rooms we wanted on exactly the dates we wanted. And I wow. can tell you that is so rare. <laughs> it's so <laughs> rare. Um, yeah. So it was uh, – yeah, we're really excited. I mean, we didn't even pitch – uh, seth meyers the seth meyers producers asked us to do that wow and, and that's never happened my publicist called me he's like this has never happened yeah <laughs> and at first at first they're just like we want you to play a song we're like great let's do it and then they're like and that but we want you and mike to be interviewed And we're like great and then they came back a couple weeks later and they're like we want you and mike first like to lead the show that's when i got really nervous because i've never done <laughs> um you i've been su- a super f- well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to, to play music on, on late night shows, um, with a bunch of bands, but that, you know, sitting there on the couch is a totally different oh, yeah. thing. And, um, again, you know, the, the verboten thing came up and it's like, hey, Seth is really easy to, to talk to. That helped. Um, yeah, he, a good he, came, he came to our dressing room beforehand. Yeah. He came to our dressing room beforehand and, um, I said to him, he went to Northwestern, right? And he said, yeah. I said, I think the three of us lived within a mile of each other before <laughs> ever meeting. And we figured uh-huh. out. We, we did. We totally did. That's awesome. So that was wild. Yeah. From wild, we, wild
0: we, kit to a wild cat, right?
1: Uh, wow. That's right. And even Mike that, Shannon went to ETHS for there you go that's uh, that's a very half a year joke, or right? a year. I, I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we we
2: saw the Metro show. It was it was fantastic, oh, you were obviously. There. Oh, yeah, wow, cool. I, I, Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, you guys played so many extra songs. I mean, Chronic I I love Chronic Town more than uh, Murmur, but um um I mean that was that was a fantastic show. And of course having Mike Mills there was was incredible. Um, you know, I I'm 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 assuming the 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 rest of the shows on the tour are not gonna be quite as good as that, but um <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be great you know, we're playing Athens. Whoa. No pressure. I, I,
1: I agree with you that that show was very special and really it was coming from you guys. Like the crowd was just elevating us. Uh There was just so much positive energy even before mills, you know, jumped on stage, which I think was like song 10 or something. Um, right. It was, it already felt special. And then, um, but that's that's the void that that band leaves and that's that's you know like we're not no one can emulate what they did the four of those right. guys playing together is just its own thing but you try to celebrate the music as best you can and we're we're yeah. all huge fans so it's fun it, it, i mean it's i mean candidly i've i've spent decades avoiding being in a cover band <laughs> 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 and here yeah. i am in a cover band that's uh doing really well so i think you know i mean mike and i have talked recently and he's he's got so much work coming up and i have so much work coming up i think this is kind of it um but we're i mean the door is always open i just don't know if the schedule is open you know um sure it's a blast to do but we can't commit that much time to it
2: I do I do have to give Michael Shannon props because I mean ha- having the balls to try to go out there and and sing Michael Stipe um is is amazing and he did a great job.
1: I thought so too. He's such a great performer and I don't mean just yeah. not not because he's an actor but he's actually a, a really great rock frontman. I've done so many shows with him. You know, we did a Dylan record, we did a Neil Young record, we did Modern Lovers. We've done Tons of stuff, and he's just always. I tell you what, I've put together a lot of bands, a lot of musicians behind him, mm-hmm. and he always knows more about the music than any of us. Like he's been, wow. he's really focused on it, mm-hmm. and that that that's just a joy. Like he's got this work ethic that is the energy, just is really good for me. You know, because again, like yeah. I don't like spending a lot of time on cover shows, but he's mike is so interesting and he's and he's also like he we did this neil young record zuma which i of course i knew Mm -hmm. cortez the killer but i wasn't that familiar with the records really a great record and i Mm -hmm. i learned from that i become a better player when you you know you play things kind of outside your your normal groove and then um we did that modern lovers record and you know a year ago and it was like this record is awesome i actually had a Mm -hmm. run-in with with jonathan um back in 94. So I was, I'm not a fan of his, right? but that record, that record is just awesome. And it's yes. like you can't deny it, you know? Um, so it's a pretty fun project. And I, I feel really, I'm sort of embracing things like that more these days. I'm embracing mm-hmm. the past and embracing weird weirdness, you know, like that's, <laughs> it's weird. Like I, I literally, I was painting a garage in June, or maybe it was May in Evanston with my son, just to make some money, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> and, and I saw that Michael Shannon was coming to Chicago, and I just reached out to him, like, "Hey, you want to do another show?" And he's like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" I was like, "I don't know. It's the 40th anniversary of Murmur. What do you think?" That all this stuff happens, so it's yeah, it's weird, and I have to just be open to that.
0: Yeah, enjoy the ride for a little bit, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Man. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you one more question before we segue into some Chicago questions. This one's just for me. Cause I really like this band. How did you end up getting in the, uh, in the sunny day real estate orbit to, to be playing with them?
1: I, uh, my band Verbo that was signed to Epic on our first tour played with this band called Brad, which is a Seattle band. Oh, you're in Seattle right now. Um, <laughs> uh with stone gossard in it and um a bunch of really talented guys and they had reached out and said you know for the portland and seattle shows um we're gonna have this guy jeremy Enoch open the shows and i i was not familiar i, I mean I, I had heard of someday real estate but i did had not heard the music and i did not hear jeremy's solo record yet so we were doing a six week tour with them and i thought well I'll, I'll look into this and see who this guy is not that we had any say but they were just telling us that this is what's happening mm-hmm. and that's the frog queen solo yeah, record the great it album. blew my mind i mean i was i was like maybe i should quit music this is so good yeah? <laughs> um and i became an immediate fan and then went back to all the records and um so that's you know that's how i got introduced to the uh uh my kids are laughing at me because i'm walking around doing this podcast with you guys <laughs> um, um and uh so that's how i that's how i fell in love with the music and then my friends and nick mccree nick is doing the murmur tour with us on bass oh, Nice. and uh greg saran both chicago dudes um were touring with sunny day so i got to see them I mean, this must have been like in 2000. I, dro- I drove to Iowa City because I couldn't, I couldn't make any of the other um, shows that they were doing. So I drove to Iowa City and I met all of them. And um, this was on the Rising Tide tour. And uh, I remember being struck that Adam Wade was Williams' drum tech. Adam Wade, the drummer from Shudder to Think. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I'm like, what the fuck are you I'm doing here? here? He's like, he's like, I, I I love William, and it's work, and I'm just you know staying busy. I'm like, okay, okay, man, but that that's a good reminder of like what this world is like, you know, like yeah. for a while you're on, you know on fire, and then all of a sudden you're scrounging for. It's happened to me so many times over the years, uh-huh. you know. Um, and then I I would go to like Jeremy Enix solo shows in town, and you know I met him a couple of times. He's really quiet, so it wasn't like. I don't feel like there was like a you know big connection or anything but we'd met a couple times and then uh, of course I met Nate a bunch of times through the Foos and um, mm-hmm. but what happened is that they you know for the first time in 22 years they decided to go on the road and play all four records and they called up Greg Saran again um, and they called up Nick too but Nick couldn't do it and Greg is so busy with other projects that he had to sub out for some shows so it um yeah I think I got the call in July of 22 and then a month later I was I actually played my first show of Sunny Day Real Estate in Orlando in August of 22 at the House of Blues on the Disney lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a very interesting crowd I'm and sure.
1: I, I well no it's it's like it's just LA yeah you know emo kids um -hmm. but but i i got there and i'm saying hi to everybody and then two hours maybe an hour before the show my palms get really sweaty and i really never get nervous like that um Mm. and i i called my wife i was like i don't know what's happening like my, my palms are sweaty and she goes well you're about to um play your first show with a band that you barely know personally (laughs) with whom you've never rehearsed. (laughs) I had not rehearsed with them. Wow. Playing through Greg's pedals and amp. So it's a pedal board that I've never used. Okay. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was absurd. And I tell you what, I, I would not want to hear the recording (laughs) (laughs) because I, there were some songs where I'm just like searching, you know, just like hitting every pedal. Where am I? What is happening? But fortunately the show was great. The crowd Mm -hmm. erupted and and Jeremy has since told me that was one of his favorite shows. So um, yeah, yeah, it was. uh, So that was my first show with them. I still haven't practiced with them and I've played a bunch of shows. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're so great. They're, that talk about a band who's you know they made four records and those records hold up so well you they know sure it's do. like there's so many good bands where you you go revisit the music 10 20 30 years later and it's like i'm not in love with this anymore but it was sunny day man i'm i'm more in love with it um, yeah and well, so from, it,
2: we'll, we'll we'll be looking forward to the uh, tour announcement hopefully there's a uh, chicago show in there
1: yeah. I hope so. Nice try. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I gave well, it my about,
0: shot. Yeah, you shot your shot for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, speaking of Chicago, uh, we're going to ask you some Chicago based questions now. Feel free to extrapolate the, on these as much as you want, or they could be one or two word answers. But the yep. first question is pizza. You know, people in Chicago love their pizza. Are you a deep dish or thin crust pizza fan? Thin crust. Okay. A I, when I was body.
1: younger, when I was younger, I, I loved the deep dish, but now it's like one piece, and I'm done. And it's just kind of, <laughs> you know, your body gets older, and your body's just like, yeah, right? not any, not anymore, dude. Yeah,
0: none for me. Um, <laughs> there's
1: a, there's a Evanston place that's kind of like an Evanston institution called GGOs. That's really great. I um, have but to when, try
0: GGOs for so long. My wife is from Evanston, and I'm always like, oh yeah, you get GGOs, and she's like, no, it's that's, <laughs> that's not what it's about. But now I My, now two people have told me it's legit, right? So.
1: My it's wife doesn't head. like it either, but my me and my kids love it. Like we go there, there go. all the time. Okay. Um and I love Lou malnati's Um mm-hmm. but uh I'm not I'm not so much of a snob. There's a bunch of places I've I've liked over the years, Giordanos and mm-hmm. I mean a lot of them you can tell have gone through ownership changes and they're not quite the same, but um uh, uh P, P-, P- It's good. Mm-hmm. Little sure. bit, little bit a yep. little bit burnt, but still good. Yeah. Um yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's, uh, my, that's the end of my pizza rant.
0: <laughs> uh, what is your favorite venue to play shows at in Chicago? And then what is your favorite venue to see a show at in the city?
1: Mm. I admit that I'm terrible at lists uh, for a couple of reasons. <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Number one, whatever I say now, tomorrow I'll be like, nah, it was this one. you know, like. Right. Sure. But I mean, listen, the history of Metro... And the amount of different bands and different experiences I've had there. Mm-hmm. I, When Verbo released, when we were just about to release our second record, we played at Shuba's. This is February, early February of 90. No, early February of 2000. And uh, my good friend Nick Miller from Jam Productions was there. And he's like, hey, man, great show. I've got this weird thing. Um can you guys play tomorrow opening up for Morrissey at Metro and then, and then the following, following night opening up for Metro for Morrissey at the Chicago theater, the Metro they announced, you know, in the morning and Uh people, you know, lined up in February in Chicago to get tickets. And
0: I would have been there. um,
1: Yeah. That, that show, you know, we did well. And then, we did the first two songs, we had been on the road for a while. We knew how to like open up with two songs right in a row where it's like the big, you know, statement. And um that song ends. And uh mm-hmm. some the crowd cheered and then and it got quiet, and then some guy went, Your stage moves suck. <laughs> <laughs> which which in retrospect is funny, but at the time, you know, when you're 29 years old, you're like uh-huh. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gonna light you up you I said to him um I said uh if you if you want to drive back to Schomburg right now no one else will be disappointed <laughs> 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 and I got the crowd behind me on that one and then uh, he said something else he said something else back to me and I said um you know, just to be clear, I'm up here with the Moz while you're down there sucking on a Bud Light. <laughs> 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 and he went again. He went again, and I was like, you wow. know, I'm the one with the microphone. I can do this all night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. You know, it was just like, uh, I mean, I kind of don't blame them because they these people had gone there at like 9 a.m. You know, sure. like it was just Worcester the fans most fans are a little thing. intense. Yeah. Well, they you. You know, we ended up. Touring with them. like we did the we did those two shows and then his crew came into our dressing room in, in the Chicago theater and they're like can you guys do the next two weeks we're like yep and <laughs> yes. they the crowds are so diverse this is back before mm-hmm. he, you know people find out found mm-hmm. what he's really like and um so you'd have like young people older people gay people straight people a uh, lot of Hispanic a lot of yeah. diversity and we 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 went over great. We sold tons of merch. And it was honestly some of my favorite crowds to play in front of. And I was a huge wow. Smiths fan. And uh, so it ended up, it was really great. And, and even Morrissey, when he was being terrible, was funny. Like I remember <laughs> at the Chicago Theater Show, he said, uh, he had this line. He's like, when they were, when they were casting E.T., their first choice was Johnny Marr and the crowd turned on him. They turned on him <laughs> as they should, you know. Like yeah. they they boo, booed him incessantly, which is funny cuz they're at a Morrissey yeah. show. Yeah. And I love that though. And then I have to give him credit. He said he paused and he goes, "Don't get mad at me. It was Steven Spielberg's idea." <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, he's he's turned out to be just awful and um so I, am I'm, I'm not a fan and I, I don't, uh, but good, good memories, good stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, mm-hmm. as far as venues, I mean, I, I kind of love Shuba's space has really become close mm-hmm. to me yeah. because, uh, you know, I actually went to shows there for 10 years before they asked me to play there and I was like, oh well, rude. Loved well no, no, I don't, I don't mean like I was waiting around to <laughs> no, be asked, no, but I like, know, I know. just, it's, they kind of started off really like Lucinda Williams, real folky, real bluesy. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Jake over there was like, what do you think about doing a split single show? And I was like, let's try it. And it went great. And, you know, honestly, they have like one of the best backstages anywhere. Um, in fact, are you guys familiar with the comedian Todd Berry?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So Todd got an offer from space. This is probably in like 2008 or something. 2000, or I'm sorry, 2017. Um. And he's like, you live in Evanston, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, I just got an offer from Space, and I wrote back. I was like, well, it's the best, one of the best dressing rooms you're going to ever experience. <laughs> and so he did it, and he sold out two shows, and he's been going there ever since. And he he wrote a book called uh, it's it's I forget it's something Hadesburg, but it's about playing in secondary markets. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for coming to Hadesburg. It's called, <laughs> and he wrote a whole chapter about the space backstage about their dressing room wow um so yeah it's it's a very special room and the, the production is amazing it's beautiful and uh, i i love that um so yeah if if i had to i mean thalia hall is amazing mm-hmm. lincoln hall is great i don't know
2: um we thought like, was just yeah, blessed with so many there. great ones
1: I, i've seen shows at uh sleeping village i think that room is great mm-hmm. um For sure. yeah there's so many great Venues. I'm, I'm forgetting five of them right now, but <laughs> those are the ones that pop up in, uh, in my mind right now. Excellent.
0: All right. I'm going to ask you uh, two more questions than, then you're free from us. So uh, what is, this is our favorite one. What is your, your go-to cheap drink? You know, we were talking about Bob Holler just crushing Miller lights. Uh, and you were a Heineken guy at the time. What it, and now you've you've moved on to craft beer. But if you're going to get down and dirty, what is your go-to cheap drink?
1: Probably old style.
0: Nice, good choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like kind of. Oh, you know what? Miller High Life. Yes. Champ, champagne beers. That I really do like a Miller High Life. Um, uh- It's got to be in a bottle, though.
2: Yeah. In a bottle. bottle. Yeah.
1: uh, In a bottle. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We love that.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Now I'm going to have to have one after this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then my last Chicago question is Are you a Chicago lifer? Like going anywhere? Are you sticking around?
1: It feels like it. I certainly don't have any plans. Um, Yeah. I can't. I, I mean, there's so many places I love to visit, but. This is the place that feels like home, and uh, I've got a lot of family here. And yeah, I think this is think this is where I'll be. And, and right. you got the kids, so
2: yeah. Who? The kids. What? <laughs> Your kids. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> terrible just joke. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. I mean w- one one of them still lives with with us. Our nineteen year old is actually over tonight to. Uh, they like to work rock, out together, so that's. Rock I walked track. past the workout area and they were laughing at me, talking about rock music because <laughs> this is. They, their dad is, you know, <laughs> that guy. <laughs>
0: He's a busy man. He's a busy yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, so we'll leave with this. Uh What would you like to plug? Like, what's going on over the next six months? You got these murmur anniversary shows. What else is going on that you can tip us off to, or you're allowed to say?
2: Work working
1: on some new uh, split single
2: stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm working on new music, but it's not split single.
0: Oh,
1: um, and let's say. see. I'm going to have to be vague, but in okay. in about a month or two, this will make a lot of sense. Um, this is a year of celebrating the past. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that uh, I'm involved with that are, you know, an anniversary of blank. And, um, Mm. and it's been, it's been exciting because it's been not the, not the kind of boring way to do that. That makes sense. Um, it's a way to be present and also like just spend a little bit of time celebrating stuff that's happened in the past. And, um, and I've been really fortunate. I I have, have support for some, some of these projects and people that are really, you know, it's, it's, I'll be honest. It's really tough in in the arts right now, especially making music because Mm -hmm. the cost of making a record when so few people buy records. And I'm, I'm not talking about just, you know, people like me that, you know, very, you know, a few people know about, I'm talking about even established artists. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. Um, so sometimes you get support from people who just want to support the arts. And, I, and yeah. I'm fortunate right now to have that. And it just is a gift because uh yeah. um to be able to write new songs and create these things and go into a studio and hire musicians, it's it's a great feeling. It's it's my favorite thing to do is to create new things. And um so sorry to be super vague. Uh let me yeah, see. No. Let me see if I can think oh, well, like I that. think. I think oh, reading you know, I between can,
2: the lines, I, I think we're looking at a new verboten uh, record, right?
1: Well, here's something. Here's something I can I can announce, and I'm I can't believe I didn't think of this. I'm playing a free show February 25th at Simon's in Andersonville.
0: Oh, well, that's yes. somebody on this pod's birthday.
1: Yes, oh, yeah? it's yes. a that's birthday show birthday. for you. That's why I yes. booked it on that date. <laughs> oh, sweet! <laughs> we'll be
2: there for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I love Simons. I mean, that's, that's just oh, we were man. just
2: there. They make that's a mean so, highlight we, there. We 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 went there on Christmas Eve.
1: Hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Chris Anderson is a good buddy. And I played there last January. It was actually the day that Lynn Lynn Bremer passed away. And um I hadn't played there in 13 years, and I was like, man, I love this. You're just standing, Mm -hmm. there's no stage, it's just PA on a stick, and you just play Mm -hmm. songs and tell stories. And um, So yeah, I'll be there February 25th, free show. Oh, hell yeah! And um, yeah, that's a good one.
0: That's a really good one. Yes. Dang, I don't think we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jason, I just want to say thank you so much for Mm -hmm. taking the time, even on a Friday night, no less. Yeah, uh, this was a blast. to, To chat with us. We very much enjoyed it.
1: Tom and Mark, you guys are awesome. I, I, I'm, I really enjoyed myself, and thank you for doing this podcast that celebrates Chicago music and uh, Chicago musicians, and this was a joy. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. We are No bands, We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands, and check out our website at NoWristbands.com.